Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today all the way from the great state of Wisconsin by Meredith. Hello. Hello. How are you? How's it going? Uh, it's going well, uh, all things considered, given that I am currently in a major hotspot for the coronavirus and uh, also one of the scary battlegrounds for the upcoming elections. So all of that's a little bit terrifying, but it's nice to be here. (laughs) You're with your family. That's exciting. Your dog Rosie appears to be thriving, which is good. She is. This morning, she had another vigorous wrestling session with her cousin dog, Rufus, a 70-pound Springer Spaniel slash fuzzy horse. And and, uh, I will send you a video of that that you can then share with people because I think that the world needs to see what happens when a 22-pound corgi and a 70-pound Springer decide to wrestle. Well, thank you so much for my benefit because I will enjoy that video very much. And I'm sure also... All of the listeners, thank you as well. We love a good dog video. At the top of the show, speaking of my supporters, I wanted to thank Kurt, who is a new little handful. I really don't name the tiers of my supporters for Light Trees and News uh, often, as often as I should, because they all have hilarious names. But Kurt's the latest little handful. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you for supporting the show. If you go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button, you get to pick whatever tier of support you would like to uh, offer the show, which is always appreciated, especially during these tumultuous times. I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. There's a new bonus episode of Light Trees and News up over there. If you're a supporter of mine over at Patreon, you can go listen to that. Charles and I are running through our top internet conspiracy theories of all time. So part four is up over there. That's very exciting. And then guys... This is super exciting, and I have to thank all of you because this is one of my original goals over at my Patreon. Uh, I was raising money to make a short horror film called Hum, which I did like two years ago, and we just got into the 2020 NYC Web Fest with it. So thank you so much to everyone over there. Couldn't have done it without you. Literally, financially, could not have done it without you. Because turns out, even when you're making like a 15-minute short, it's very expensive. You'd be surprised. Yeah, so, and I would say, if yeah. you haven't already taken advantage of the chance to watch this short, uh, <laughs> you need to get on it because it's pretty fucking scary. Thank you. Yeah, I have to shout out um, the whole crew, Kevin Keeby, Hillary Brown, uh, Jaime Marcelo, Tessa Hirsch, um, Morgan Phillips, great cast, um, Rob Weber. They're all so wonderful. But man, Hillary and Kevin scouted that location, uh, the basement location where the there's a climactic scene that happens in the short It's very spooky. The lighting's very good. And they made Morgan, who's the nicest man in the world, look so scary. And it's just brilliant. Um, The lighting, everything is just so good. And that's 100% Kevin and Hillary having a good eye. And they're amazing. I love them. 
yeah, guys, just thank you so much. So great. Uh, so also over at my Patreon, guys, whenever I talk about good news, the way the show is split up is we talk about pop culture up top, then we get into bad news, and every episode we end with good news. And what I've been saying is I consider it good news when something good happens in your guys's life. So if you're ever proud of an, of an achievement, if you ever accomplish something, that's good news. So Brian at my Patreon left a comment. He said, I usually avoid plugging my own stuff, but on a lark, I did one of those tier ranking videos that's been going around the internet for my YouTube channel. Arkle Studios, and it was a big hit, at least by my standards. So I'm making them a regular thing and seeing if that helps bump me all the way up to the Z list at the risk of sounding egotistical, smiley face. That's about as close to truly good news as I can get these days. So good news from Brian, but then I had to leave a comment because I'm a thousand years old. And I said, wait, Brian, Explain all of this to me. LOL. What's a tier ranking video? Do you know, Meredith? What is a tier ranking video? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, okay, great. I thought maybe I was like wildly out of touch with something that everyone knows about. So Brian answers, oh, well, there's a couple of websites that offer tier template templates. And uh, oh, God, the spacing's weird on this. Hold on a second. Bear with me. And you can rank things. Uh, this is not Brian's fault. This is 100% my computer's fault. And you can rank things on them by moving little icons representing whatever. My first video was for Arrowverse heroes. The second was fan fiction tropes, for example. You can alter the tiers to say whatever you want, but the default is S for superb then A through D, like the American grading system, which is just a capitalist conditioning, but that's besides the point. So Brian clarified, and I'm going to be honest with everyone, I still don't fucking understand it. It sounds like um, <laughs> maybe like a fun, not like a game, but it, it like I don't really understand it, Brian, but you are, are very proud of it, and I think that's awesome. Um, so congratulations. And it's not your fault that Meredith and I are completely internet illiterate, apparently. And I don't know what a tier ranking system is. If anybody can like offer an example, like link to it. So I know what the fuck's going on. That would be appreciated. But I, I feel like this is a corner of the internet that I am just, um, ignorant to, and I don't know what it is, but that doesn't diminish the fact, Brian, that this is an, an accomplishment that you should be proud of. Absolutely. And I am perfectly comfortable recognizing that I have no idea what most of the internet does at any given time. Who so. cares? Who cares? You know what? I'm not a supercomputer, okay? I can't understand the internet in its entirety. Sorry if that disappoints people, okay? Sorry if you thought I was a supercomputer. I'm not. I'm a woman. I'm a lady with a podcast. I don't understand most of the internet. I'm starting to hit that age range where sometimes I see a meme and I'm like, I don't get it. And that's okay. It's not for me. Am I on TikTok? Yes. Do I post videos? No, I'm too goddamn old to do that. All right. But I lurk. I know what TikTok is. So I feel like I'm still doing okay. You know, if I didn't know what TikTok was, I, I think we should all be concerned. Yes. And I, I am also comfortable being old 
it's fun that we're doing a podcast that is two old ladies talking about what's going on in the world when we don't have any idea what most of the youths are doing. So do, do I know what's going on? No. Do I understand young people? Fuck no. Do most references now pass over my head? Sometimes. And that's okay. I'm, I refuse to age in a non-graceful way. Okay. So I am just embracing it. Everything that's being thrown at me. I don't know what tier ranking is. That's okay. Let's just move past it. Brian, I'm proud of you regardless. And thank you for writing yeah. in with good news that's happening in your life. Comments on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Anything that made you happy, any accomplishments, love to hear them. Um, so Meredith, while we are in the good news section, do you have, I'm sorry, well, oh God, while we're in the pop culture section, we're not in the good news section yet. Um, do you have any recommendations? Uh, I do. I have any number of recommendations. I uh, was doing a bit of work that I needed to finish up this morning. And part of my motivating plan was listening to the new Killers record, uh, Imploding Garage, which I at first thought was a unbearably pretentious um, concept album title. And then I realized that they're from Las Vegas. And so they are talking about literally imploding the Mirage Casino. Uh, oh my God. All right. (laughs) Wow. It's, it is exactly a killer's record. That's how out of touch I am. I listen to the killers unironically. Uh, but also there is a new record by Lydia Loveless called daughter. If you are a fan of Phoebe Bridgers or Nico case or any of the people who are doing amazing rockish country music with excellent lyrics and, um, slightly, uh, slightly life-worn, uh, tales in song. I highly recommend it. It's beautiful. And there are a couple of really amazing songs. So definitely do that. And I also, I'm curious what listeners will think about the season finale of The Boys, which I watched last night. Um, I'm I so glad it. that you're bringing this up because I recommended The Boys like at the beginning of the season. And oftentimes when I do that for a series, I then leave that show and I stop recommending it just because I don't want it to get redundant obviously every week me being like hey I still recommend the boys but uh, I'm glad that we're revisiting it because the the finale was on uh did happen this week and oh my fucking god no spoilers obviously but that show went hard from the premiere the season premiere and did not let up for a second Yeah. And I think I've seen some people who are pretty lukewarm on the finale. Sure. I disagree with that, but I also maybe have no idea what, since I have no reference to the comic books and I'm just watching it as television, I found it to be very satisfying, pretty interesting. And I am a huge fan of anything done by the creators of the supernatural universe. And Eric Kripke was one of the original people involved in that. So Give me a critique of capitalism and toxic masculinity that has some superheroes and a lot of blood. This is exactly my shit. We've, of course, I'm going to love it. But yeah, and I I saw some critiques too that you know occasionally the show can get heavy handed with the 
the capitalism critiques and the the faux feminism critiques and uh, white supremacist critiques, stuff like that, um, racial politics, stuff like that in the United States. But I don't know. I, I think it works for that genre. You know, what is light handed about a superhero series, right? So the fact that the the social critiques are also um, painted on pretty thick, I was like, yeah, sure. Because I'm, I'm in a thousand percent with this, right? So... If, if that's heavy handed too, that's fine. I can, it, it, the show sort of has this effortless charm to it that I feel like they can get away with that stuff. And Homelander, I maintain, is one of the scariest villains of the modern era. Yes, we did discuss this last night and yeah. uh, over text. And I, I truly believe, uh, oh, I would say if you haven't seen the uh, series Banshee, that is also yes. uh, stars the actor who plays Homelander, Anthony Starr, and it's very silly and it's a crime show, but he's great and um, he's significantly more attractive because he's not a terrifying <laughs> dude in a red, white, and blue costume. So if you think that you might want to find him attractive, but you're too creeped out by the whole Captain America thing, watch Banshee. And uh, it's going to get extremely real. Although, yeah, he he's great. I mean, he should win <laughs> Emmys. He should win Emmys for his portrayal of Homelander. And also Aya Cash's uh, oh, yeah. uh, Stormfront was just magnificent. The entire series. Um, She's great. Yeah. And I'd say my only other recommendation is if you are a big fan of spooky season and Halloween, why have you not signed up, up for Shudder yet? You can get yes. a seven-day free trial, and also it's only six bucks a month. So you should be watching every single one of the scary movies that are on that channel. It is amazing. It's creepy. There's a ton of wonderful old movies. They just put a bunch of old Vincent Price movies up. Uh, and also uh, they just put in From Beyond, which is directed by Stuart Gordon, stars uh, the... Oh my God, Barbara, I can't remember her name. She was in Reanimator. It's okay, she's amazing. Barbara, Barbara Crandon. Um, and also they have been doing a ton of amazing exclusives and original stories. So seriously, if you love horror, you have to do it. Yeah, I, I just signed up for a Shutter account and the first thing I did was text you and Charles and I was like, what should I watch on Shutter? And between the two of you, I think you gave me 50 recommendations. <laughs> so I have the next six months mapped out of shit I'm going to watch and I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, I might watch that documentary first because you both recommended it. Yeah, that is In Search of Darkness. It's a... Yeah. A uh, four and a half hour documentary that covers horror in the 1980s in an incredibly in-depth way and is through the eyes and stories of some of the actors, the special effects people, the directors, the writers, the stuntmen, the, uh, the, uh, the set designers. And it brings such a wonderful perspective to the genre and like, just you want to spend time with some of these people. I mean, you wouldn't realize that someone who was in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 would actually be like really cool because <laughs> you think about the sequel to the Chainsaw Massacre, but 
by the end of it, you feel like, oh my God, I want to hang out with this chick. She rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, definitely going to check that out. So you have inspired me. I'm going to change what I'm going to recommend because you recommended a couple music recommendations and I, for whatever reason, my own preferences, my own biases, I tend to put music recommendations last on my reckless, which I think is wrong and I should not do that. But I never got around to recommending uh, Suf John Stevens' new album, The Ascension, is great. Um, I'm really enjoying it. And then <laughs> there's another uh, music rec- recommendation I have that is I'm going to start to describe it and you're going to be like, that sounds stupid and you're right, but it's also awesome. So there is an album that I believe is only available on SoundCloud, maybe Spotify. I forget where I listened to it. It's called Mouth Dreams and it's by Nielsic. I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's N-E-I-L-C-I-C. And it is a album of dumb mashups, like so dumb, like literally the Yahoo smashed with another song. (laughs) Okay. And you will alternate between being like, this is the funniest, dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then suddenly be like, am I going to cry? Because it just got so beautiful. And you will constantly fluctuate between those two emotions. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. This guy is such a piece of shit. I don't know. Actually, I'm assuming it's a a man. I shouldn't be assuming that the artist is a man. But um, just alternating between like, this is so, so stupid. It's so fun and funny. And then all of a sudden, there's a moment where you're like, this is legitimately good. Guys, it got legitimately good. And then we're right back to being dumb again. But it's so fun. I was just listening to it, like walking around my neighborhood. The weather was beautiful. It put me in such a good mood. So, yeah, check out Mouth Dreams. Hmm. All right. I will probably not do that. But maybe it's, you know, like the I feel like we are at with mashups where we were at maybe a decade ago with acapella remember when like acapella had a huge moment mm-hmm. and people were like it's amazing um we all love pitch perfect blah, blah 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 and like all of these like college acapella teams were having a moment and then people were like is acapella stupid and we were all like yes very much so and then like you don't hear as much about acapella anymore at least in my opinion right i feel like we are we've arrived very much so at that moment with mashups where it we're on a knife's edge where it's like people are about to turn hard on mashups and but in the meantime mouth dreams Mouth yeah. Dreams is filling that that void for for this moment in time. So listen to it before people like violently turn on mashups. Fair. And also any mashup that includes uh, WAP and literally any other song is a song I will listen to. So <laughs> those are things that will never, ever, ever grow old. I'm just stating that for the record. That will be a fact forever. Okay, well, you might like it because there are very, very funny moments and um, you literally will be listening to it and be like, God, fuck you, you know, which <laughs> which I like in an album. But um, so uh, while I have a little bit of time left, I also want to recommend oh, there's so much to get to. Uh, 
I'll do this. Um, the Great British Bake Off is back. It's on Netflix, being released uh, week by week. And man, uh, the the premiere of this latest season is amazing because in in a rare moment, I truly felt like I was watching Nailed It because it was so bad, and. <laughs> It was sort of refreshing because, you know, the contestants are acknowledging the fact that the world is ending, the pandemic's happening. Um, they can't believe they're on the Great British Bake Off during a pandemic. How weird that is. The first fucking challenge they give them is the hardest thing you can ask a baker to do, which is not only do you need to make a delicious cake, it has to look like a celebrity, which is in a completely separate skill set, right? So... Most people are very bad at that. Even if, like, you're an excellent baker, you probably can't make a cake look like a human head, right? And, like, paint it in a sophisticated way and airbrush it and mold it with fondant. You know, like, it's a whole thing. So they gave them the cruelest challenge they could give them at the worst possible time in modern history. Everybody soldiers through, but, my God, there are bad fucking cakes. Uh, one woman tried to make Lupita Nyong'o and oh, poor Lupita. Lupita, who's one of the most beautiful women in the world. This cake is an abomination. The The woman who baked it ended up changing the name because she was so embarrassed. She's like, this is not Lupita Nyong'o. I just have to say it's somebody else. And uh, I think she captioned a guess who or something like that. And the judges were like, oh, dear. Um, but there are really, really some golden moments. What the challenge actually was, was they were supposed to create a cake of their idol. So, mm -hmm. you know, pe people were picking like, OK, Lupita Nyong'o, excellent actress. OK, I understand. She's your idol. One guy picked Tom DeLonge from Blink-182. Um, and I have to say his cake was not one of the worst ones. I was a little offended that he didn't include UFOs in it, but, um, whatever. I didn't bake it. So that was up to him. But I was like, really, dude, your hero, your icon, your idol is Tom DeLong from Blink-182. Um, another guy picked Marie Antoinette, which I was like very eye roll about where I was like, she's your idol. Or did you just want to have like a showstopper cake? Like, just be honest. I wanted to do something big, so I picked Marie Antoinette. Um, but truly, especially if you, like, nailed it, watch the premiere of The Great British Bake Off. Because that show's not supposed to feature bad cakes. But, like, literally everyone down the line, I was just like, oh, this is a tragedy. Weirdly cathartic, though. Because watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, we're all struggling. You know? <laughs> yes, uh, all right. Well, that's pretty great. Yeah. Okay. Great guys. On that note, that's enough recommendations. It's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. <gasps> Here's your bad news. Okay, so obviously uh, the big news is that Trump has been released from Walter Reed after just 72 hours. He was released. Uh, he stood on the Truman balcony, took off his mask in a very dramatic, ill-advised way, and gave uh, a little 
huffing and puffing speech where he said, don't be afraid of COVID. Uh, you know, uh, oh, he wrote this actually. Um, he said, don't let it dominate your life. Um, uh, and he, he stood upon the, the balcony to prove to everyone that he was very much alive and not at all uh, a lookalike. It, it had a very, dude's just doing his best Stalin cosplay and let's face it, he doesn't have the hair. Yeah, it's true. Well, what's interesting about it to me is that he is simultaneously trying to convey the message, COVID's no big deal, but also what a brave big boy I am that I beat COVID. Yeah. I mean, quote unquote, huge quotation marks around beat COVID because, um, you know, we obviously don't have accurate medical information about how he's actually doing right now. And he was on steroids and steroids can make you oftentimes think that you feel much better than you actually feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we actually don't know how he's doing right now. Um, certainly don't know what the fuck's going on with Chris Christie. Well, he, he just, was, he was released from the hospital. This oh, morning. okay. Oh, uh, great. Okay. Uh, He's uh, there, but he did have, uh, he has turned out to have one of the more severe cases mm-hmm. and uh, it can stay in the bad news because Chris Christie got COVID from a guy who hates and disrespects him. And now did he still has to decide what to do. Nobody texted Chris Christie to be like, Hey bro, go, te- go get tested after the Rose Garden thing. Like they do not give the Republicans do not give a shit about Chris Christie and he could have died from that, that indifference and he's not going to do shit about it because, uh, he's a fucking coward. But, um, I, I guess glad he's not dead because when we stopped hearing updates about him, I was like, Oh boy, that that's not a good sign. Yes, I, I agree. Although it's entirely possible that maybe this is a time where Chris Christie being not as dumb as Donald Trump just decided he was going to get well. So yeah, I go figure, right? Uh, weird that people who uh, care about their physical health tend to be healthier. Um, that's so strange. <laughs> I know it's, it's almost like there's a connection or a correlation, there, but I don't know. Let's not think hear- too deeply about it. Let's like I'm- not go down that road. Cause I get <laughs> headaches. Um, uh, yeah. so yeah, there was this other update to the whole Walter Reed thing where apparently Trump made all of the doctors sign NDAs, which in case you don't know what an NDA is, it's a non-disclosure agreement. It's usually what celebrities make you sign. If like, say you go on a date or something with them, so you don't run to TMZ and spill all the tea, um, not say what a president does when he gets sick and he needs to seek um, medical attention, mostly because you don't need to do that because there's already um, oaths. There's stuff like HIPAA that doctors already have to adhere to where they, they don't spill the deets of your medical records because it could result in them losing their medical license. Yeah, it is. It is especially funny that he said you must sign NDAs. They are legally obligated. Uh, But just another example of how Donald Trump doesn't really understand how anything works because he just to him, HIPAA is something only the plebes deal with. And he must have an extra layer of protection. Uh, But no, hey, if the guy wants to do it, 
who, who knows? He's a dummy. We know this. He's a huge dummy. I do love the idea of them just wheeling in Trump as fast as they can and his staff just thrusting NDAs at the doctors as they're trying to, like, <laughs> put him on a ventilator. And they're just like, sign this, sign it, sign it. Um, just what a clusterfuck this administration is. What a joke. What an embarrassment. Um, and I, I think the... Can we just briefly talk about how Trump also decided that he, as soon as he was well, he said, we are not doing any stimulus. And yes. suddenly everyone got very, very angry. He immediately reversed course, which should be good news. But now Mitch McConnell has come back to say, no, we will not be dealing with any of this stuff. So that's a clusterfuck. We may all still be screwed. But I love that absolutely no one can get their shit together enough to decide what they want to do. It is one of, I don't know, a dozen totally unforced errors by every Republican in the federal government, like the federal legislative branch, because there's spite, there's selfishness, there's narcissism, there's this election, and they just look like such clowns. And- yeah. And it's interesting because like whenever I've just convinced myself that everything's sort of a Machiavellian uh, calculation by the GOP, they do something that's so breathtakingly stupid that I'm just like, oh, no, maybe they're just a pack of idiots because like <laughs> the stimulus is a great example. Right. Just keep blaming the Democrats. Be like, oh man, we would love to get you this stimulus, but like Nancy Pelosi won't come to the table. And like, because Fox News isn't going to report on the fact that the reason that Nancy Pelosi isn't reaching an agreement on behalf of the Democrats is the Democrats want to give you way more than the GOP does. They right. just report that the stimulus isn't like passing because of the Democrats. Just keep saying that. But then you have Trump come out and just say, we're not doing it right before the fucking election. And it's like, well, now you own it, you idiot. And that's when I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're just bad at this. Well, he's certainly bad at this. Yeah. And his, you know, if there's one thing we can thank the steroid delusions on uh, for, it's that Trump won't stop doing stuff like this because his uh, desperate desire for people to thank him and, you know, give him love and an adulation has just been kicked up so many notches that he's throwing all of these promises out that he can't keep that also are going to alienate not necessarily his base because those people are long gone, but any number of people who've actually been paying attention and were planning on voting for him, but now have to say, you know what, this guy's really not uh, that good. And yeah. as I as I've heard from the very astute political commentary from my mother every morning, <laughs> I've been home for two weeks. Uh, it's all about the people that stay home because those are, that's where some of the changes are going to happen. It's not going to be, it'll be democratic turnout. It'll be Republicans deciding that they are not going to do it this time. And yeah, I'll take, true. I'll take it. If, if some of those racist white ladies decide they don't want to sign on to homeschool their kids for another year because they're so fucking sick of them. Like that's fine. I will take it. 
<laughs> yeah, it's all about who's motivated, right? But the thing that scares me about that is hate is a very powerful motivator. And the right has really harnessed hate in a way that the left hasn't. Um, not saying that the left should or that should be a goal, but anything to own the libs, right? Up to and including being in a death cult, which the GOP is at this point, right? Yeah. Um, anything to own the libs. Yeah. I guess we should mention too that Trump, there was a little bit of a calculation behind him saying no stimulus, which was, he was saying no stimulus unless I get elected again, well, reelected. That's, that's really what he was saying. And, yeah. and that's basically what McConnell is trying to do by, you know, walking back to, to make it into, we're not, you don't get these things unless you let me right. continue, uh, which I think a lot of people know is a lie. And, and and is I believe referred to as blackmail. Uh, yeah. Although <laughs> that's probably something that Jared Kushner taught him, since he was taught it by his father. So it's a little bit of kind of family, uh, you know, family knowledge sharing. Sure. Yeah. Just a, a proud tradition of criminality. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, exactly. And we <laughs> we love to see it because actually no, we don't love to see it. We hate it. It's the worst. It's destroying the country. Uh, yep. <laughs> so uh, we should probably talk about, and I am putting this all in the bad news section, the vice president debates just because I, I need uh, to stop watching this stuff. Okay. I need to stop live tweeting it. I always think it's going to somehow connect me to um, the hive mind and I'll like, get to see what the people are feeling. And it always just raises my blood pressure. And you know what the worst part is? It's the predictability of merchandising, which is there's always a couple moments that, you know, are going to be seized on by like the white lady feminists or, or like the dumb meme makers. So like, as soon as Kamala said, I'm speaking, it was like ju -ju 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 in my timeline of white women being like, yes, this is me in a meeting. And it's like, oh, my God, just like fucking clockwork. <laughs> as soon yeah. as the goddamn fly landed on Pence's head, I was like, this is going to be merchandise. Boom. Instantly on Etsy. Um, pretty fly for a white guy. Get it. It's fucking everywhere. It's on plates. It's on mugs. It's on sweatshirts. And it's like, you can set your fucking watch to, to this shit and it's exhausting. Well, don't, let's not forget that the Biden campaign actually managed to have a Biden branded fly swatter on the website within minutes of the debate. Minutes. Concluding. Minutes. And they also had registered the fucking domain. Uh, I forget what the name was to to redirect to the Biden website so you could give a donation, something with fly in the dom domain name. But like it all happens so fast because it's the same fucking thing every single time. Uh, but, you know, that that quote, the Kamala quote, I'm speaking is going to be on merchandise everywhere. And it's not to diminish the fact that like. Listen, all credit to Kamala for really taking control in that situation because that moderator was fucking useless. The lady from USA Today, I forget her name. God, she was terrible. Truly doesn't matter. She was like a log out there, like did nothing. 
So like all credit to Kamala for really taking what could have been a chaotic steamrolling type situation and really being assertive and being like, you were interrupting me. I'm speaking. And like, you know, she did what she had to do. She was assertive. Um, and of course, predictably, speaking of things you can set your watch to, people who watch Fox News thought she was aggressive, quote unquote, you know, because she's a black lady. Um, so, like, I don't want to diminish the significance of Kamala, like, you know, reclaiming her space, if you will. But what's so tiresome to me is a bunch of white feminists sort of taking that moment and not appreciating it through a, a racial lens or anything like that. And just being like, this is me in a meeting, me, a white lady being interrupted by a white man, which is bad, obviously, but you are not the same as Kamala Harris. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And also just to have that be the thing that was suddenly focused on and, and turned into expensive uh expensive out outfits that can be sold on instagram by rich white lady influencers who do wellness blogs uh it completely disconnects and disconnected the debate from any type of substance which sure it's the vice presidential debate it's not necessarily there for that but there were some very important questions that both of them somewhat dodged that deserved attention and no one's talking about that. We had five minutes of commentary discussing the fact that Pence was made no attempt to answer the question about whether, like, what a peaceful transfer of power would look like. Um, he also didn't answer any questions about his abortion stance, which we all know is absolutely fucking horrifying. And extends far enough into general health care that he is essentially responsible for one of the worst outbreaks of HIV in recent memory. So, but, but Meredith, they did agree that fracking is awesome. So that's a good thing. Sports. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they barely talked about the environment, which is um, weird considering Kamala's state is literally on fire. You think that she would want it, uh, to have talked about climate change a little more? Um, really yeah, did. weirdly, weirdly. And it, it's so frustrating because when you critique that, there's a bunch of Democrats, actually, or liberals on Twitter who are like, come on, you know that they have to woo undecided voters in Pennsylvania. So that's why they're paying lip service to fracking. If you look at the numbers, they would do themselves a way bigger service, bolstering their base, particularly young people who, for young people, climate change is one of the top issues. Go figure, considering they're going to have to deal with the fucking planet, you know, with how we leave it. So it's of a huge importance to them. They would do way better bolstering that base than trying to chase a few undecided voters in Pennsylvania. Well, the idea that being pro-fracking jobs in a place like Pennsylvania being the thing that's going to convince the fundamentally racist individuals who are sitting yeah. here saying, well, I like some of this stuff because I'm poor, but I don't like the people that speak Spanish at the factory I work at. And right. let's face it, hating the people who speak Spanish will end up tipping them. Yeah. To go for not 
any sort of fracking job. Absolutely. Uh, um, oh, are we going to, can, I just want to make sure we're going to talk about the guys in Michigan. Because... Okay. I swear to, I swear to you, I was just about to pivot to this story. So we, we have to talk about the attempted kidnapping of governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. Um, the FBI busted this alleged domestic terrorism plot of, um, a bunch of, uh, 13 people, from the militia group known as Wolverine Watchmen. I'm not kidding. Wolverine Watchmen. Uh, So they have um, the six charged by the federal government are Michigan residents, uh, Adam Fox, Ty Garbin, Caleb Franks, Daniel Harris, Brandon Caserta, and Delaware resident Barry Croft. The seven people charged by the state are Paul... Beller, Sean Fix, Eric Molitor, Michael Null, William Null, Peter Musico, Joseph and Joseph Morrison. They fi- faced a variety of firearm and terror charges. The idea was, um, and a couple of these guys were, if, if you all recall, because I covered this story on uh, Light Trees and News a few months ago, I think, there were protests at the Michigan Capitol soon after Governor Whitmer declared a lockdown to prevent the further spread of COVID. Armed militia people showed up at the Capitol and were like standing in the Capitol with the guns. It was a very scary scene. Um, There was a lot of fear about like physical violence. Um, a lot of people at the time were like, can you imagine if these were people of color who, who rolled through with guns? Like, absolutely. Yeah. The National Guard would have been called in. But it was a bunch of white people with guns. So it was like, oh, you know, First Amendment, Second Amendment, all that stuff. Um, but a couple of these guys who were busted in this attempted abduction plot were at that initial protest. So, like, this goes back to the beginning of the lockdown. Um, And the idea was that they were going to kidnap Governor Whitmer, put her on trial, and I guess there was going to be like a live stream of the trial because they claimed that she uh, um, was violating their freedom with this lockdown and they wanted to instigate a civil war. Yes, and they were going to kidnap her, take her from Michigan to Wisconsin then hold this trial. And their defense so far seems to be that it was merely going to be a citizen's arrest for <laughs> essentially tyranny. And, uh, but they also had, you know, they built bombs. Uh, they had all these different plans about uh, being prepared to, you know, commit violence if need be. And they were uh, planning, yeah, they were planning to kill people if they had to do this. Like they were considering blowing up a a highway overpass, stuff like that. And, and, you know, you know, because this is us, we are not fans of the FBI doing a lot of stuff with undercover agents, because obviously there is a long history since 9-11 of the FBI sending undercover agents into the field, finding a few idiots and then convincing them that they should plan and pull off some sort of terrorist plot. And then as soon as they get close, they arrest them. They put it all over the news that they foiled some sort of terror plot by three brown guys who went to a mosque in upstate New York. And 
it's all ginned up. If you read the FBI complaint in this case, it was coming from the group itself and everyone and all every all of the FBI's observations. Granted, we take it with a grain of salt, but it reads night and day compared to these other uh, the other complaints that have have happened when it comes to terror yeah. plots. And I think that's really significant because it absolutely drives home what everyone's been saying for years, which is white supremacists are absolutely a greater threat to uh, safety and security in the U.S. than any sort of supposed radical religious terrorism that is not Christian. And yeah. that that's a great point. And I like I think, you know, it is you, you never want to give the FBI credit for anything, because as you just laid out, they have a long storied history of um, entrapping people of color and, and modern monitoring people of color, pr primarily activists. Um, yeah. So there is that side of the FBI. But one of the good things that I think you could say the FBI has done in recent years is really bang that drum, saying that white supremacy and white supremacists and these militia men in the United States are the number one domestic threat. Um, and it started, it's always been an, an issue in the United States, obviously, but especially during the Obama administration, white supremacy exploded in this country, um, predictably, because, you know, there was the backlash to having our first black president. Um, but the FBI has been saying, like, we got to watch these guys. We got to watch these guys. They're a huge threat. And then lo and behold, and I should add, soon after the president of the United States told the Proud Boys to stand by, uh, they busted these guys with a plot to abduct a governor. Yeah. Well, and what a perfect segue into how the president responded, which was a series of tweets chastising Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of the state of Michigan, for being insufficiently grateful to him for letting his justice department save her. Oh, and then criticizing her for locking down the state and trying to goad her, you know, sort of bullying her to, to reopen. It's time you do this. And you just think, wow, what a, what a fucking nightmare. And as she said on, uh, I think she was on ABC the morning after everything went down saying, you know what a human being would do? They'd make a phone call and say, are you okay? Is your family okay? How are you doing? That's what Joe Biden did. Right. It seems to tell you a lot about the two people that are in this race and, you know, even not wanting to give a ton of credit to Joe Biden. We are now at a place where basic human decency is in fact a standard to judge potential president. Well, yeah, that that's the only if you can even say there's a silver lining in all of this, because obviously it's a horrifying story. How frightening for Governor Whitmer, you know, like it's a horrible, horrible thing. However, having said that, I mean, she is going to be a hero to the left now because <laughs> it's like you were just targeted by a militia and thankfully nothing bad happened. But, you know, this is why any kind of like targeted abduction or targeted, you know, um, assassination or, or anything like that is always, always, always a miscalculation. Because now what the Wolverine Watchmen have effectively done here is they have martyred 
Governor Whitmer, and she's now like this hero figure. Yeah, and um, another thing I want to bring up because it's sort of recent in terms of compared to the plot being uncovered, we have now gotten so far down the line, of, you know, down the road of white supremacists being, uh, you know, martyred, sainted, whatever, that despite the fact that there is a connection between these, uh, the, the Wolverines and uh, the people who are, like the Michigan people who are involved with Timothy McVeigh and the Oklahoma City bombing, um, we are now talking about how people are now defending Timothy McVeigh as not a white supremacist. Oh my God. Uh, yes, people on the internet are saying, well, he wasn't, now he wasn't, you know, he was a anti-government. He was paranoid, but he wasn't a white supremacist, despite the fact that you know where he learned how to build those bombs? With the Michigan militia. The guy was at white supremacist terrorist training camps, and yet there yeah, are Meredith, guys- I'm sure he left the room anytime anybody told an off-color joke, you know? Like, I'm sure he had principles while he was there. Yes, well, there are, I mean, we have we have the, the, the reported- leftists who are saying, well, this is economic anxiety, despite the fact that it doesn't seem that any of these people were particularly poor. Uh, but also, what are you talking about? Have you, have you, do you study any history? Have you ever looked at this stuff? You do not need to be, this isn't economic anxiety. These people are like, they were plotting to kill someone, essentially. And we're now talking about whether or not they were racially motivated or had some sort of uh, bias related to it. Come on, just because you're not explicitly targeting someone because of their race, color, or creed does not mean that you do not hold those ideologies. And the fact that there are so many people bending over backwards trying to argue that that's a distinction that needs to be made is really, really discouraging. It's sus. You know, that's what it is. It's sus. suspect. <laughs> yeah. I'm not into it. Guys, on that note, it's that time of the show. Here's your good news. Okay, so I, I need to start the good news section by talking about Jack Berkman and Jacob Wall, each being charged last week with one count of intimidating voters, one count of conspiracy to commit an election law violation, one count of using a computer to commit the crime of intimidating voters, and using a computer to commit the crime of conspiracy. The first two charges each carry a maximum of five years in prison, and the latter two charges carry a maximum of seven years in prison. Um, if you don't know who Jack Berkman and Jacob Wall are, they're two right-wing political operatives. They were accused of orchestrating robocalls aimed at deterring voters in Detroit and other major cities from casting their ballots by mail. Um, and they were arraigned on Wednesday on voter intimidation charges. Oh, uh, couldn't have happened to two worse people. Man, they're uh, just so stupid. Yeah. Uh, and Rosie apparently <gasps> agrees. Because Rosie! She's Rosie uh, hates Jacob Wall like the rest of us. 
He does, but I I think that he once sicked uh, a troll mob on me for something, which I think was, Ooh. I wish I could remember what it was, but. What a was, badge of honor. Hey, I've been trolled by Jacob and Milo. It's a good, good time. Wow. Well, you know, I I got the, the, the kingpin, G. Gordon Liddy. Ooh, yeah. He went after me. He said, my writing makes him want to puke. <laughs> Oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. We're doing great. <laughs> yeah, we should have put this in uh, in the up top as our well, own. You know, you know who we have to get. We have to get Roger Stone. Oof. Well, we got to get a comment. Well, you, there's always got to be someone uh, to aspire to. But That's right, yeah, yeah, I think that what's really funny about this arrest and these charges is it shows you just what level a lot of the people who fancy themselves these, you know, roguish disruptors and saviors of their version of democracy. Like, they are such charlatans. They are such morons. They have absolutely no idea what they're supposed to be doing. And they can't even be bothered to look up this to try and rat fuck a little bit more effectively. (laughs) I know. Yeah, it like truly is baffling to me when there's so little research put into their attempts to dismantle the left or, or, um, yeah, even, uh, critique, like represent, like they don't consult the law. There's just like no effort put into anything and they're just sort of living moment to moment. Um, also in good news, you guys, and I, I qualify this as good news, the next presidential debate has been canceled. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so supposedly this was because they couldn't agree on how it was going to be done. And Trump's camp didn't want to do a virtual thing. I 100% think that he is very sick and they don't want him to debate. And it would be a disaster if it was a, if they attempted a virtual debate. So apparently what's going to happen now is Biden. And I think this is smart because I think Biden still needs to be like out there talking to people. Yeah. They're going to do a virtual town hall where um, it'll be on ABC and George Stephanopoulos will be the moderator. But Biden is going to do that, which I think is very smart. Yeah. Well, it's also one of those things where why not take advantage of the fact that this is another place where the Trump campaign is just doing something stupid and for no reason whatsoever, because it doesn't violate the equal time, you know, Well, I guess equal time doesn't really apply anymore. But they're not being unfair because they extended the offer. Donald Trump signed. This is just free time for Joe Biden to go out and talk about how badly Donald Trump has screwed up on primetime television. And, you know, that's millions and millions and millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars of ad buys that they're just getting for free three weeks before the election. I was really afraid that the Democrats were going to do that shit where they, you know, no, no discredit to her, but I I think it's just a wildly naive thing. But uh, Michelle Obama's whole thing, when they go low, we go high. I I was really afraid that they were going to try to do the the quote unquote classy thing where they're like, well, 
we don't want to present our ideas because, you know, the president is ill and we want to give him time to recover. It's like, fuck that. The election is right around the corner. Get the fuck out there. Go talk to people. Present your ideas to the American people. I think Biden will do fine if he doesn't have a fucking psychotic narcissist interrupting him every two seconds, you know? Get he out has, there. Yeah. No, I can't believe I'm, I mean, again, I can't believe I'm, I'm going to say nice things about a politician, but, <laughs> you know, a liberal politician, but his people have done an incredible job of making him like of working with him because he has been great at staying on message. He's been very, very, he's been a thousand times more careful about speaking and getting his ideas out there. He has had zero gaffes since, you know, for like a month, which let's face it, given how we know him, he's not, he's much better about not exaggerating. He's very good at taking responsibility for things that he's misstated or spoken about before. It uh, is like a borderline miracle, because if you remember the Biden of the Obama years, he's like a gaff machine. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, and, and let's face it, having a town hall, that's exactly going to play to his strength. He's yeah. going to have so many opportunities to display empathy and compassion and understanding for people that want to talk to him about their own struggles over the past eight months. That's going to be insane. You I'll know what he's going to be? He's going to be folksy <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> See, I'd put folksy that on. Folksy as fuck. <laughs> I'd buy that sweatshirt. Come on, Etsy. Folksy as fuck. Uh, like so... I also wanted to talk about, look, it's going to seem like I'm talking about a bad news story, but I promise you there's a good news story right around the corner. I just have to establish this first. So Facebook recently took a little bit of heat because <laughs> they came out and I think they thought they were doing a good and they were like, hey, guys, we know it's been one million years, but we finally decided we're going to ban QAnon. And people were like, okay, cool, I guess. Are you going to do it before the election? And Facebook was like, no, no, no. But eventually we're going to ban QAnon. And then people were like, cool, are you actually going to ban them? Or are there like creative ways they could get around the ban? And Facebook was like, oh, they can 100% get around it. But eventually we might sort of half-heartedly ban QAnon. And people were like, cool, you guys are useless. So that's like the bad news foundation where people were like, should you ban QAnon? Absolutely. They're a dangerous conspiracy theory. Um, but you should have done this like years ago and it should be an actual ban and it should be before the election, all of that stuff. But then, and this is an interesting turn of events, um, Twitter came out with a list of like new guidelines about their recommendation algorithm, um, some of the features that they have that they are considering turning off to fight election misinformation. And it actually seemed like Twitter had their head in the game a little more. And that was really interesting because I saw a bunch of tech journalists who were like, in their memories, they're like, this is the first time we can think of a tech company doing anything that will curb conspiracy theories and misinformation, but at the same time, actively undermine growth. Because usually for tech companies, their main religion is 
exponential growth. They always need to be they always need to be growing. They always need to be adding users or they effectively die as a company. Right. So it's very interesting that Twitter would do anything that could be perceived as undermining their growth. So I think that is encouraging. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. And obviously, it doesn't make up for the fact that they still haven't banned the Nazis. You gotta ban the Nazis. What are you doing? That was my first comment. I couldn't even say anything nice about it. I was just like, I retweeted their announcement. And I said, get rid of the Nazis. We're, you know, I'll take what I can get for the moment if it means that things will be slightly less horrifying as we enter into these last awful, awful, awful days. Uh, and, and yeah, this is just fine. Good. Let's just make, make the best of it. We've all still got to do it. Uh, and, oh, I mean, something I think is good news, but is just a general fact. Most plate, most states have started early voting. And if you're in a place that has it and you haven't gone and done it yet, get on it. Yeah. I think something like 7 million people have voted already, which is great. Mm hmm. And uh, I think I saw I think it was a week and a half ago that more people had already voted early in Florida than seven or eight states combined. The number wow. of registered voters in seven or eight states combined. And granted, they're small, Wyoming, New Hampshire, Vermont, whatever. But that's enormous and significant because Florida, I believe, is the only state if not the only, it's one of the only states that starts counting ballots early. Well, so I mean, they fucking better. <laughs> exactly. Uh, With their history. Uh, but this is, so we're, we're going to like, that's just an astounding number of, of people who have actually gotten up to do that. And I think it's worth being excited about and something that more, you know, people should be advocating that their states start counting ballots that have, you know, mail-in ballots and early voting ballots early as well. Because if people really want that that hit of dopamine or adrenaline on election night, you got to have those things counted Yeah. or you're going to be waiting for weeks. I finally got my mail-in ballot earlier in the week, filled it out same day, put two stamps on that bitch and mailed it in. Um, yeah, I, and I, in New York and I believe New Jersey too, you have the option of, you can track your ballot online and mm -hmm. like see the moment it's delivered, see the moment it's counted. Um, and if it's not counted, you can appeal. And yeah, guys, I, I truly, I, I know you guys are all like highly engaged, highly motivated, but get on the cases of your family members and friends and, drive people to vote. If you have the ability to do that, people have to vote. Yeah. You have that, to, you, know, you have to, I can't go through four more years of this, but you know what? I'm braced for the possibility. I don't believe any polls that are coming out right now. Um, I'm, I'm not going to do 2016 again, you know? Absolutely. And I am in the same way. Uh, one of the main reasons why I decided to come back to Wisconsin was not to just do some volunteer work and generally be where help could be needed. Uh, I cannot be by myself in my apartment in Queens yeah. on election night. The like, I need to be with family. <sighs> I'm honestly like, I don't know what's worse, Meredith. I like, 
I was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, I don't know if I want to be alone. And she was like, no, you absolutely can't. We have to like be together. And I was like, I honestly don't know what's worse because for 2016, I was with people and it was bad. It was like very bad too. So I don't, I don't know what's worse. Um, I'll probably end up being with people, (laughs) but at this point I'm just like, we're all going to have to make those decisions for ourselves. I know that, uh, this is, you know, my family is, is a very particular case. We are all very politically engaged. We've, I've worked on campaigns with my mother. Uh, we are political junkies. I will admit that in 2002, the day Paul Wellstone died, the only thing I could think of that made me feel better was watching early episodes of The West Wing that we had on video. T- Yikes. Uh, so... This is one of those things that feels very close to my heart to be able to do this with uh, with my parents, but it will be an odd one. And I, I encourage people, if you haven't made your voting plan, make your election night plan because you're going to want to at least know who you're going to talk to. Yeah, that that's a really good advice. I'm going to be texting you a lot, Meredith, that night. I know I am. Um, guys, please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Anything you want to promote before we head out? Uh, not right now. I have been doing a lot of work, but none of it is out in the world yet. So just follow me for my hilarious jokes and, uh, you know, follow my Instagram, which is also Meredith L. Clark. If you want to see a lot of pictures and videos of Rosie doing things in fields and nature. It's honestly a good time. You guys should go follow Meredith. You don't want to miss Rosie pictures. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Please go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button. If you're a fan of the show and want to keep us ad-free, keep us going with new episodes. And also, pay co-hosts like Meredith. Um, Everybody who appears on this show is compensated. Uh, Go to patreon.com slash Kilkenny for that extra bonus content. I say this every week, but it's true every single time. I so appreciate the support. I know it's a really hard time for people. I never want you to give me your money if it in any way compromises you. But if you're like, yeah, I got an extra five bucks a month, Allison. Here you go. I so appreciate it. And on that note, everybody, stay inside and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>